Today's podcast comes from March's Edinburgh Distillers Lecture. In an overflowing hall, PhD student Hannah Proctor introduced her work on whiskey flavors, in particular those that come from distillery fungal communities. Will the move to stainless steel tanks change the flavor of traditional Scottish whiskies? Or by understanding the part fungal communities play in flavor, will distillers be able to pick and choose which flavors they want to keep? My name is Vela Mitrovic, and you're listening to Distillers Journal Podcast. Hi everyone, my name is Hannah Proctor. I'm a PhD student at Heriot Watt University in Edinburgh. And I'm going to talk to you a bit today about my project and um, about the theory behind it. So a bit of background on me to start with. So I've got a background in microbiology. Um, I graduated from the University of Glasgow in 2018. I then went on to work for a blue biotechnology company based in Oban, where we fermented langoustine shell. Um, and from there, I came to Heriot Watt to study my PhD. So I started in October 2020, um, right in the middle of the second lockdown. So that was good. So my project, just a very basic overview, which I will obviously go into more. Um, we're looking at methyl ketones in distillery fermentations, in particular relation to the washback micro microbiome. So we want to see um, the washback microbiome, how we can sort of relate the flavor and character we're finding in whiskey to our specific microbiome um, in the washbacks. My project is sponsored by Nika Whiskey. So they're based in Japan. Um, and I'm supervised by Dr. Annie Hill and Dr. Jane White. I assume everyone in the room is pretty familiar with the whiskey production process, um, but I'd just like to make a few points, like to go on from there. So um, we start with malting, so we get a raw material. We've got barley, so in fact, no, probably to take it back a bit, Scotch whiskey um, is quite tightly regulated in its production, as I'm sure we all know, but we find quite a diversity in the product across the country. We can only have our three sort of basic raw materials. So we've got our yeast, we've got our water, and we've got our uh, malted barley. So we'll start with our uh, malt. So the barley is malted um, to release fermentable sugars. That's then mashed to create our wort, our sort of sugary soup. Um, we then go on to ferment that with our distiller's yeast to create alcohol. That's then distilled, typically twice. Um, and to produce our new make spirit. And our new make spirit is then matured in oak casks to produce our whiskey. So the reason I've sort of went through this, um, just to sort of make a point, flavor diversity can be introduced at various points um, in the production process, pretty much every single one of these points, um, despite the fact that whiskey production is quite a tightly regulated process. So that could be anything from our choice of barley that we're using for malting, our malting regime. So, um, for example, peated malts are a very big one. Um, fermentation, which I will touch a bit more on. Distillation, so um, our still type, our still shape, our cut points. Maturation, especially being a big one. Um, so for Scotch whiskey, a minimum of three years, but I mean, you can get anything up to 50 odd. Our cask, the charring, what's been um, in the cask before. So there's a lot of sort of points of variation. Um, but what we're interested in in my project is fermentation. So again, in the fermentation step, there is there's a few variables where you can start to introduce a bit of flavor diversity. The most sort of obvious would be your yeast stream. So distillers yeast, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. There is various strains out there that we can use um, in various sort of formats. May that be dried or creamed. 
um, other microorganisms that may be present in the fermentation. So a point I don't actually think I made when I was rushing through that there was that the wort is not boiled in whiskey production as it is in brewing. So that sort of gives opportunity for microorganisms from the um, raw materials to then travel through into the fermentation. So um, other microorganisms that may be present, um, they're also metabolizing the sugars and byproducts that are in our work. The time of fermentation as well. So a lot of distilleries run fairly short fermentations, um, but some may extend up into sort of hundreds of hours. And also our vessel type. So traditionally, um, whiskey fermentation was carried out in large wooden washbacks, but more recently we've started to see a lot of distilleries opting for stainless steel. Um, so that's another sort of point of variation that we've got there. So just a bit about the microbiology of whiskey fermentation. So of course we have our distillers Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Um, that sort of peaks at about 24 hours and then starts to decline as fermentation goes on. Another sort of key microorganism that we know to be present in whiskey fermentations are lactic acid bacteria. So this has been known about for a few decades now, and it's actually pretty beneficial to some distilleries, depending on what you're after, but I'll talk about a bit more about that later. Um, we also have a low sort of level of wild yeast population present as well. This doesn't really tend to multiply as readily as our lactic acid bacteria do, but they are there nonetheless. So a bit about our lactic acid bacteria. As I said, they are beneficial at low levels, but can cause problems at sort of higher levels. You would end up with a bit of stuck fermentation, but um, typically tend to be pretty good. So um, there's been some work done so far that's shown that distilleries possess sort of a stable population of lactic acid bacteria. But this can be influenced by things like malt supply and hygiene regimes as well. Population increases during the course of fermentation and it sort of evolves as well. And a lot of distilleries, maybe particularly the ones that tend to let their fermentations run on into the 90s, hundreds of hours, maybe favour this, which sort of late lactic acid fermentation is what it would maybe be referred to, um, to get those sort of flavours that you would want from your lactic acid bacteria. So yeah, microorganisms and flavour. Obviously, whiskey is a very complex spirit. Um, flavours introduced at pretty much every point, and there's over a thousand flavour active compounds present in the spirit. And one of our sort of main places we get that is our distiller's yeast as well. So the main sort of point of our yeast is obviously to produce ethanol um, for alcohol, which we then distill. But during this process, um, there's a lot of other byproducts that are also produced. Um, which are flavour active. So a lot of these are esters that give us a sort of fruity, tropical notes in the spirit. Higher alcohols, which can also be sweet, but also quite alcoholic, perfumey, solventy. And then we've got things like diacetyl, which are not good. We don't want that sort of rancid butterscotch. We've then got our lactic acid bacteria. So lactic acid bacteria produce organic acids, such as lactic acid, which are then esterified during distillation to give us sort of more fruity notes again. Um, and also compounds called gamma-lactones. So gamma-lactones give a sort of sweet and buttery um, flavour into our spirit. So a bit on our vessel type. Traditionally, as I said, wood was the favoured um, material for the vessels. But um, a lot more these days, you see a lot of distilleries opting for stainless steel. Um, so traditionally, washbacks would be made from softwoods such as Oregon pine or larch. Wood is obviously a lot harder to clean than our stainless steel vessels there. Um, and wood is very porous material and has the potential to harbour microorganisms. 
the sort of thinking here is we know our whiskey fermentations aren't sterile. We know that there's potential, there's lactic acid bacteria in there. We didn't inoculate them. We know that they're coming from our raw materials. These microorganisms are able to persist in the washback and then potentially subsequently, I say, infect. It could be beneficial. It might not be um, later fermentations. Um, so that's sort of the basis of my project. I'm working with um, Nika Whiskey in Japan. And they've found that new make spirit produced in wooden washbacks compared to stainless steel contains a higher level of um, methyl ketones. Methyl ketones, they are flavor active compounds, um, along with gamma lactones, which I spoke about earlier, which are produced by lactic acid bacteria. So there, we are seeing a bit of a difference between these two vessels here, but we're not too sure why. The level of gamma lactones being higher, I mean, you could correlate that with your lactic acid bacteria, which you would expect to persist a bit more in the wood. Um, so with methyl ketones, we're not too sure of the origin yet, but if you apply that same sort of logic with your um, gamma lactones and your lactic acid bacteria, what's to say that there's not other microorganisms at play here as well? So as I mentioned, we're interested in methyl ketones, um, specifically 2-heptanone, 2 nonanone, and 2 undecanone. So um, these give us sort of like sour milky flavour, so they're actually present in blue cheese. It doesn't really sound too appetising when you think about it in the context of whiskey, but um, it is a positive <laughs> a positive note um, in sort of sensory analysis. And also green, so sort of melon, fresh fruit. So yeah, they've done some sensory analysis and there was a positive correlation in levels of methyl ketones with sour and sort of green character in mature and new make spirit. Um, they also found that there was a higher level of gamma lactones with the methyl ketones. And as I uh, mentioned before, the hypothesis here is that these methyl ketones are being produced by microorganisms that are persisting in the fermentation, just like our lactic acid bacteria and our gamma lactones. So uh, methyl ketones are well known to be produced by a number of fungi, um, including aspergillus, oreobacidium, and penicillium, um, like in our blue cheese. And we are particularly interested in one fungus called Oreobacidium pullulans. So Oreobacidium is a yeast-like fungus. It's quite ubiquitous in the environment. Um, it was first isolated from the grape, so it's quite commonly found in uh, wine production as well. Um, it's poly-extreme tolerant, which means it can survive and thrive in locations that a lot of other life can't really, so maybe like high salinity, temperature, alcohol, that sort of thing. Um, it's also earned itself the nickname the wood stain fungus, so it quite likes to um, coat wooden surfaces and form this sort of black stain as well. Interestingly, it's been detected in beverage environments for, um, so in malting, it's been found to persist during the malting process, which means that you potentially be the source of um, inoculation with our whiskey. Um, and wine as well, as I said, it's first isolated from the grape and also in um, sort of cool ship brewing in the States as well. Um, so it is quite ubiquitous in the environment and also in the beverage production environment. So we're interested in looking at Oreobacidium um, within whiskey fermentations. But to do this, we want to sort of look at the wider context of the microbiome. So the microbiome is basically the microorganisms that are present in an environment. So we're very interested in looking at the microbiome of the distillery, and in particular, the wooden washback. Uh, we want to look at what microorganisms are present. We want to see if they possess a stable microbiome, 
um, throughout the year and after cleaning regimes. We want to see if we can see a variation in washback microbiome across distilleries. Um, and we want to see if we can draw a correlation between washback microbiome flavour and flavour characteristics in new make spirit. So I'm just going to touch a bit on about how, we're, how we can do that. How can we see what microorganisms are there? Um, so, so far, all the work that's been done um, in relation to whisky has relied on pretty outdated methods at this point. They rely on culture-dependent methods where you take your sample and you have to grow up your microorganism on an agar plate and you can then do some analysis on it. This isn't great because you can miss a lot of what's there. I mean, at your point of sampling, it could have been there in the past. It may, may be dead now at that point, so you're not actually you're not getting a live cell to grow up. Um, so you could miss a lot of what is there. We are looking to use a technology called next-generation sequencing try and capture the whole picture. I'll touch a bit on a bit on that. Okay, so identify microorganisms. So as I said, traditionally you would grow your microorganisms on a plate. So the two we can see in the middle here, that's actually some samples from a washback. So what you would want to do is you'd look at them, you'd look at their shape, you'd look at their color, you'd look at their various characteristics. You'd also look at them under a microscope and you'd also do some biochemical testing to see um, what their metabolism is like. So after you've isolated your organisms, you can extract the DNA, and we can then look at a specific region on the DNA, sort of known as a molecular barcode, um, which allows us to perform a technique called metabarcoding. So that, that sort of point there that goes from the orange to the blue to the orange, that's sort of to show um, we can take a certain region of the DNA that is sort of ubiquitous throughout the microbial population. So for bacteria, you would have a certain region that all bacteria have. They all have a conserved region, but they all also have a variable region. So if we can take that bit of DNA, we know that we're getting bacteria. And when we look at the variable region, that allows us to go down to sort of genus and species level to see exactly what's there. So we would perform PCR, I'm sure we all know what PCR is now after the last couple of years, but um, basically we take a region of DNA, we take two primers that would bind to each sort of, each end of the region of DNA that we want to look at, amplify that so we have enough to look at, and we can then sequence that um, to see exactly what's there. So the techniques that have been used in the past to look at microorganisms in uh, whiskey have relied on being able to culture at first, but um, times have moved on a bit since then, and we're looking to use a technique called next generation sequencing. So that basically allows us to go straight from sample to sequence. So we can take, in my case, a swab from a washback, and we can extract the DNA from that, and then we can just sequence it and see exactly what's there without having to grow it up. So as I'd said, that technique is known as metabarcoding, because um, you're using your sort of um, your universal fungal barcode. And it gives us a clearer picture of the whole microbial community. So we'll be using a technique by a company called Oxford Nanopore Technologies, and it's this tiny little device, smaller than a phone, called a Minion. And it has this sort of chip um, in it, and it's got a membrane. And on that membrane, there's loads of different nanopores. So these nanopores sit, and when we process our DNA sample, and we put our DNA sample into this. The DNA passes through um, the pore on the membrane, 
And as that happens, the current is disrupted in the membrane. And the disruption of the current is different for every base of DNA. So we sort of get what are four letters of language of uh, DNA, A, T, C, and G. So we then get a disruption in current, and we can then translate that to our DNA sequence. And this is a massively parallel sort of process. So this is happening loads of times with loads of sort of bits of DNA. Um, so that's going to give us, hopefully, a really nice picture of exactly what's there. So this technology hasn't been applied to whiskey thus far, but um, it's been applied to a lot of other beverage production environments. So it's been used to look at spoilages in breweries. Um, it's been used in mixed beer and cider and various sort of spontaneous fermentations um, and also in uh, bijou and wine as well. So it has been proven to be a really good technology, so it'll be really exciting to use that and see what happens. So now I'll give you a bit of background, um, exactly what we're looking to do in the project. So we're hoping to sample from various distilleries um, around Scotland. We'll then take our samples and we'll try and isolate Oreobacidium, which was our uh, fungus of interest, the black one that I showed you earlier on. We'll then do some DNA sequencing in that to prove it is what we think it is. We're then hoping to do some model fermentation. So we're hoping to sort of um, do some smaller scale replicator distillery fermentations with our Saccharomyces, our lactic acid bacteria, and our Oreobacidium. We'll then do some um, analytical analysis on that to look at levels of methyl ketones in these fermentations to see if we can try and prove that the Oreobacidium is what's leading to this higher level of methyl ketones that we're seeing um, in the new mixed spirit produced from wooden washbacks. Um, alongside that, we'll also be doing our next generation sequencing um, to just get a really, try and get a nice picture of what microorganisms are there um, in our distillery environment. So far, we've done a sort of pilot study. So we got some samples from a distillery in Scotland, um, two points in the year, so February and August. Um, and this is just a little map of the tun room here with washbacks one to six. So from this, we actually isolated um, potential oreobacidium isolates from all of the washbacks apart from one. Um, the isolates were mainly from the outside of the washback, as you can probably imagine, the inside was dominated with Saccharomyces. But we did get a couple of isolates from the inside as well. Um, and what's quite interesting, one of the washbacks um, had just been installed and we were able to isolate some potential Oreobacidium from this um, washback. So that's quite an interesting point to note. Um, we were also kindly gifted some old wood from the washback that was being replaced and we thought that'd be a good opportunity to try and do some imaging. So we'd done a CT scan on a section of Oregon pine from an old washback. Um, there's not too much to see here unfortunately. The sort of lighter areas of yellow you can see there, there's potential for them to be microorganisms but there is a lot more work that has to be done here. We're hoping to use um, a bit more sophisticated imaging techniques. Um, scanning electron microscopy to try and resolve microbial um, structures in the wood. So next steps, we're going to apply our sampling method that we've got from our pilot study to various Scottish whiskey distilleries. We're in the middle of setting up our sequencer at the moment, so it'll be really exciting to get some um, results from that and hopefully some further imaging of a washback wood. Um, thank you very much for listening. I'd just like to say thanks to my supervisors um, at Headache Watt 
Nika, um, Dr Sean Higgins at the uh, Research Centre for Carbon Solutions, all the Scottish whisky distilleries that are participating in our study, um, and the Institute of Brewing and Distilling um, as well. Thank you very much. The Distillers Journal Podcast is a production of Review Media, produced and hosted by me, Vela Mitrovich. Sound engineering is by Ross McPherson, series supervision by John Young, and executive producer Rory Harris. I'd like to give a special thanks to Hannah Proctor, our sponsors, and most of all to you, our listening compadres. Have a good one. <laughs>